We're on. The light just didn't work. Wow. All right. Praise the Lord. Well, hey, amen. Aren't you, aren't you just glad that, you know, we can, we can reach people, even that are disgruntled? <laughs> yeah, we've got, uh, we've got some uh, interesting neighbors, just uh, if you haven't noticed already. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've, uh, uh, yeah, one neighbor on this side over here, you know, when you got the, the downspouts that are turning water from the rain, and then for whatever reason, our rain is, is somehow flooding their basement, and then, you know, you got stuff behind the building, and they just, you know, they can't see it. There's a the fence there, but for whatever reason, they didn't like the stuff back there. So, anyways, uh, interesting stuff happens at church, right? Uh, you know, praise the Lord. You know, you know, we've been talking about this series called Selfie, right? And what selfie means is, is who we are and what we have and what we can do in Christ. And if you remember, we said this, that in selfie or in the Word of God, we said that there is 130 selfies or what it is to who you are, what you have, and what you can do. And it is listed or it's documented this way in the epistles. It's listed in in Him, in whom, or in Christ. And so every single time that uh, you read that, you ought to have your attention alerted. You should highlight it, circle it, underline it, because every time you see in Him, in whom, or in Christ, it is identifying yourself in who you are. And so last week, if you remember, or actually the last two weeks, we've been talking about this position of authority, right? And our position of authority is not over people... But it's over the enemy, and the enemy likes to stir up trouble. But did you know sometimes the enemy stirs up people to stir up trouble? And so I said all that intro simply to get to the point that obviously that wasn't of God. That was just simply the enemy wanting to come in and stir up strife and stir up. And so you just got to take authority, right? And so sometimes you do that in prayer, and sometimes you just got to say, you know what, you're not going to do your nonsense here. We got people that were going to serve and do church this morning. Now's not the time. And so you just take authority, right? And so you realize that in your life, you're going to have those opportunities that arise, right? Have you ever had a, a, a car that you was trying to purchase, and that salesman's only worried about his bottom dollar pocket, and, and therefore he's trying to take advantage of you, and therefore you just rise up in your authority, and you say, you know what? And again, you're not being goofy when I'm talking like this, but I'm simply saying you take your position of authority and say, you know what? I'm not going to be uh, manipulated. I'm going to take my place of authority and I'm going to, I'm going to function in peace. And therefore I won't be strong armed into making a purchase, but I'll use my authority or I'll take my faith and say, you know what? We're going to negotiate and God's going to help me have the best deal. Right. And if you didn't realize it all through life, there are going to be things that try to, to manipulate you or force you into something. And if you don't know who you are, you'll get steamrolled over by the enemy and people that the that the enemy is using all your life but god has given us authority amen amen well praise the lord why don't we just open up with a word of prayer do we pray this morning is that what happened we did we should no we'll, we'll pray <laughs> father in the name of jesus we thank you for the opportunity to share the word of god we thank you that the word opens up our eyes it, 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 it expands our understanding we thank you at the entrance of your word it brings light and therefore we can see the path that is set before us so god we thank you today we're seeing our selfie and walking in the position in the place that we have in you in jesus name and we all said Amen. Amen. 
Well, hey, we just want to welcome you, those of, that, uh, those of you that are tuning in online, our online audience. Glad that you've joined us, and welcome to our Labor Day service, hoping that you're having a good weekend. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles this morning, why don't you turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Once again, there is, in the Bible, 130 selfies identifying who you are. And every time, as I said, you see that, it speaks of who you are, what you have, and what you can do. And so if we begin to identify these things, we can begin to say, this is what God says I can do, and this is what God says I can have. And as a result, I can begin to appropriate faith. Too many times believers go through life just thinking God's going to take care of things or that God's going to do some things or we squall and bawl to God and we think that we're asking but all we're really doing is begging. There is a position that we have in Him that we can approach Him in faith and therefore we can receive from Him. And you realize the Bible says this, that the only way that we please God is through faith. Right? Right? And so therefore, if you've ever found yourself squalling and bawling and complaining to God, it doesn't move him. Did you realize that? It might move somebody else to feel sorry for you, but God's not going to feel sorry for you. He says, I've given you my promise. I've given you my word. And Jesus did all that he was going to do so that you could have a position of authority, that you could have a position that you can be sound-minded, that you can be secure. And as a result, I'm not going to listen to your complaining and your fussing and your fighting. I want to hear your heart of faith to where you're beginning to trust me. So first Timothy, or second Timothy rather, second Timothy chapter one, starting in verse one, it says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Did you notice those words in Christ Jesus? And it says that there was a promise of life in him. Verse 2 says to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remembered you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I called to remembrance the genuine, genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in in your grandmother Lois, and then your mother Eunice, I am persuaded that it's in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And then in verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and a sound mind. Amen. Amen. So let's deal with a few things here. And first of all, what I want to bring to your attention is notice what it says. It says that he's speaking to Timothy and he's coming to him and purposing to pray for him according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. We said that there is a selfie and we identify that every time we see in him, in whom, or in Christ. And right here we see that in Jesus Christ there is a promise. And there is a promise of life. Amen? I said there's a promise of life. And then in John chapter 5, John chapter 5 verse 11 and 12, it says this. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life, everybody say life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
So the Bible once again says that there is life to be found. There's a promise of life. And the only way that we genuinely and truly find life is in Jesus. Amen? And so what that means is there's all kinds of individuals that are looking to experience life. There's all kinds of people that are looking to the things, looking to the career, looking to the money, looking to the man, to the woman, to the children, whatever it is, to give me life. And how many of you have known those people that have the things, have the stuff, have the career, have the beautiful eye candy that's on their arm in a man or a woman, but they're still not satisfied because they don't have Jesus. And so the Bible tells us there is no life outside of Jesus, but there is a promise that comes with him. John 10, 10, we talked about this last week, but the Bible says, and Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly in quality and quantity. See, everybody's looking for life. Everybody's looking for validation. Everybody's looking for success or just to have contentment and peace in their life. But it only comes through Jesus. Now, here's what I want to present to you this morning. And and we don't have time to get into this, but I just simply want to just whet your appetite a little bit. In that word life, the literal word in the Greek for the word life is called zoe. And the literal translation or definition of the Greek word zoe, because we see that word life and we just think, well, that means this life that we live. But the literal Greek word zoe, which means life, is the God kind of life or the life of God. So in other words, when you receive Christ, you receive the promise of life. And it wasn't just eternal life, but he said, here on this earth, as long as you live, as long as you have breath, you can experience the God kind of life. Amen. Now, I don't know if that does anything for you, but let me ask you this. Do you think God ever has a bad day? No. Do you think he's ever sad? Do you ever think he's depressed? Do you ever think he wakes up one morning and, and says, man, I'm just not feeling myself today? No. Do you think he ever struggles with money? No. Do you think he ever has uh, family issues? Well, no, let's not get into that one. (laughs) No, my point is this, is that God says we can have the God kind of life. And if you'll notice what it says, it says this life that was promised here, not just eternal life. He says that is also going to come. He says, but there is a life right now that you can begin to experience, and it's the God kind of life. So this promise of life in Christ is to experience the God kind of life. And God operates and functions by faith. He believes it and he sees it come to fruition. So that means you and I can still function or can function just like that. We can have success. We can have joy. We can have contentment. We can have everything that God has promised for us to experience in this life. Amen? And so once again, like I said, I'm purposing just to whet your appetite because we'll, we'll come back to that in, in the days ahead. But in 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, it says this, For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all. Amen. So in other words, he says, listen, there was a life before Christ, and you did things your way. And he says, even when it comes to just bodily exercise, how many of you work out? Okay, not very many of you. Some of you do. All right. <laughs> we sh- My wife, she just uh, was, was looking at some things the other day online, and it was talking about when you should get active, and it was talking about when you're 20, you should be doing this, when you're 30, about, you should be doing this. And she said, if you're 40, you're too late. You should have already been doing it. 
And I'm thinking, dear God, I fall into that category. I should have already been working out, but I haven't done it yet. <laughs> but he says this. He says, bodily exercise profits a little. He says, but godliness is profitable to all. So in other words, he says, this life in Christ, this God kind of life, it's profitable for you. He desires for you to benefit and increase in life. God desires for us to know this life that is in Christ. There's a promise that we have in Him. There is no promise of life, like I said, outside of God. Now, to continue with this next point that we're going to look at in this verse, I want to make this statement to you because it's something that I believe is so easy for us to overlook, but I want us to have this in our thinking as we, t- as we continue. And that is that spiritual things are more real than natural things. Now, I realize that's difficult for us to understand. And as we're talking about the life of God that God wants us to experience, we put it up on a shelf thinking, well, he's talking spiritually. But I want you to understand that spiritual things are more real than natural things. And to express that or explain that, you remember the Bible says this, that God is a spirit. He's not flesh and blood like you and me. But he is a spirit. And the Bible says that when God spoke, he made everything natural. Right? So spiritual things are even more real than the chair that you're sitting in. You might think, man, this is pretty solid. I could be real heavy and this chair would still hold me. But spiritual things are more real than the chair that you're sitting in. So I want you to understand that because from the natural side of life, we put so much confidence in and so much trust in natural things and we're so accustomed to living naturally that we're unaware of spiritual things. So in the event or the course of life, as we're purposing to live this life that God has set before us, and as we're purposing to find our life and find direction in life, there's all kinds of things that help us navigate through life. And just for the sake of the example, I, I was on a motorcycle trip oh, just uh, a couple weeks ago. We went out to South Dakota, and there's about five or six ministers that we ride together. We do this pretty annually and we'll take a ride and go somewhere and we take about a week a week and a half and just enjoy our fellowship and enjoy the ride well as we're traveling uh uh, down the road uh one of the things that we we gauge is or look at is our gas gauge because obviously as you're traveling down the road you've got to be aware of how much gas you have because your motorcycle tank isn't very big and just for that being said, you know, uh, I was in South Dakota and I had to part ways and I, so I uh, uh, hit the road by myself. I'm all by myself thinking, oh, dear God, you know, I hope everything goes well. And then I'm coming into Chicago and I don't know if you've ever driven through Chicago, but it's not fun. Yeah. And, and so I'm looking at my, my gas gauge because I don't want to have to get gas while I'm in Chicago. And I know I only have so far to travel on the gas that I have. And so as I get closer to Chicago, uh, there's all kinds of construction. And roads are closed. And I'm seeing gas stations that are up there, but I can't get to them. And I'm thinking, oh, dear God, I don't want to get gas in Chicago or the city. And so as I'm traveling, I finally see a gas station. And I get off and I get filled up. But once again, I'm looking at that gas gauge. And I trust it to tell me whether I'm full, whether I'm half, or whether I'm, I'm empty, right? And you and I, if you have an automobile, you'll, you'll trust that gauge as truth to navigate whether you're running on empty or whether you've got to get filled up or not. Right? You trust in what I'm saying or you, you understand what I'm saying? 
All right, so as I'm traveling, and again, this is a good example, as we're there, uh, going back just a few days, uh, one of the guys that we're riding with, his motorcycle, his clutch went out. And we're stranded out in the middle of South Dakota. All you see is plains, rolling hills, cows, and the occasional car. And so when we looked on the, our, our phones, we realized that the next, the, the next place or the next city was 25 miles away. And it was called Faith. Faith, South Dakota. <laughs> and so, and we got stranded there. If you're ever going to get stranded somewhere, I guess it's good to get stranded in Faith, right? <laughs> but anyways, that's another message. But as we're there and we're stranded because his motorcycle went down, we're looking at our phones and we don't have cell service. And you're thinking, dear God, i got to communicate and talk to somebody because I need help. Then there was a cowboy that come off the plains there, and there was a little, little side road. And, and he came up, he says, can I help you guys? And we said, well, you know what, we need to make a phone call, but we don't have cell service. And he says, if you'll just walk down that road over that hill, he says, you'll have cell service. So we just walked maybe, maybe 100 feet, sure enough, made the phone call. Now, what's my point? When you look at your phone and you're thinking, I have no service, but the moment that those little bars show up on your telephone, I've got service, I can make a phone call, I can reach out and touch somebody. And my point is you look at those and you'll have confidence and you'll have faith that in the the event of trying to reach and communicate and talk to somebody for help, I can reach somebody. Are you here this morning? So again, you'll trust that. And then as I'm coming into uh, Chicago, as I said, when I got off to, to get gas, I hooked up my phone on the little gizmo that I have on my handlebars. I plugged in my headset, put my earphones in, and I turned on my GPS. And so I'm navigating through Chicago, and, you know, I don't know which roads to go to. I just know i got to get to the other side and get home. And so as I'm cruising through there, all of a sudden I hear her come on. Uh, at the next exit, turn right. Next 100 feet, you're going to come up to exit so-and-so. And that voice in the GPS on my phone navigated me through Chicago and there was never a stitch where I got nervous, where I started sweating thinking, oh dear God, I hope she's leading me right. I trusted that GPS to navigate me through life and I had full assurance and confidence that it was taking me the right way. And then lastly, just as the example, when we're out there in the middle of nowhere, you know, we're looking at the sun, but the sun is about straight up. So we're thinking, well, we don't really know where east and west is right now because it's right above us. And so I carry a compass on my, on my uh, motorcycle. And so I looked at it, and it told us where north was. And if you've ever been in the woods hunting or fishing or anything of that nature, you're out in the wilderness hiking, and you get turned around, and you have a compass, you'll look at that compass, and it will tell you where north is, and you'll trust, trust it every single time. What's my point? I gave you all those natural examples of things, of technology, of gizmos that we have, and we'll put confidence in those things to help navigate us through life. And we never have any question, any hesitation to say, I trust it. But then there's this side of this promise of life, and we say, God, can I trust you? God, where are you at? God, I feel like I'm alone. But the Bible says this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. It says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
So you've got the genius on the inside the moment you receive Christ. And so many times we think God is so far away, but He is right on the inside of us, and we feel like our cell service has lost connection, but He's right there to answer our call and help us navigate through life because of this promise of life that we have in Him. Are you here this morning? God wants us to have the promise of life. But why do we struggle with this journey of life? Well, the very last verse that we read there in 2 Timothy, it said this in verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and a sound mind. Notice what the Bible says. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So in other words, when we receive Christ into our life, when The Holy Spirit comes and dwells on the inside. The Holy Spirit is not one of fear, but He's one of love and soundness of mind. And what is it the thing that causes us to to train wreck in life concerning this this journey we're on? It's because we get into fear. Has anybody experienced fear in this life that you lived before? Health, money, marriage, family. I mean, we can think of all different kinds of scenarios, but the Bible says this, that He has not given us a spirit of fear. Now, remember all those scenarios that I gave you concerning the GPS, concerning uh, the compass, concerning your cell service, all those different things? Regardless of how you feel, you'll trust those things, right? You may feel like you're going the wrong direction, but because the GPS says this is the right way, you'll trust it. And you'll bypass how you feel, even what you think, and you'll put your confidence in that. What is it that we find ourselves getting into fear about? It's those things that we feel. But when it comes to living this life of promise, it's a life of faith, not feeling. Does that make sense? Because if you've lived life any length of time, you'll find that your feelings will go haywire in every situation. Right? The marriage is seeming like it's been a little rocky the last. And all of a sudden you start having questions. I don't feel like we love each other anymore. I feel like I've fallen out of love. Or I feel like we're losing control. Right? But none of those other things were based on feelings. But the enemy that we said we have authority over, will constantly try to get us over into the realm of feelings and therefore get us into a position of fear. And that's what the enemy is all about, is getting you into a position of fear. And really we could say this, fear is false evidence appearing real. Fear would equal false evidence appearing real. Most of the times that we get fearful or get in in anxiety or get depressed is being fretful over something that it hasn't even happened yet. It's just the, the, the thought of what could happen, what might happen, or what could be. And it's based on feeling, not facts. It's just an assumption. But the enemy is a master at getting us over into that place as to what could be, what you think, what you feel. And God says, I want you to experience the promise of life, but you've got to do it through faith. You've got to simply trust me regardless of what your feelings are saying to you. 
When you think about fear, it's not simply just being frightful or being afraid of something. If you found yourself or you're in a position right now where you're worrying about something, worry is fear. If you're stressing about something, stress is fear. If you're finding yourself being anxious or carrying this anxiety, anxiety is from fear. Maybe you find yourself being depressed. Why are you depressed? The root of it is fear. And God says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but I've given you a promise of life in Christ. If he's made you a promise to experience life, do you think it means that it's going to just be totally hell on earth? No. That's not the God kind of life. That's the devilish kind of life. And Jesus said, I've come that you would experience life and life abundantly. How many want that abundant life? Well, again, we can experience because it's a promise that we received from him. If you remember Jesus simply as an example, do you remember when Jesus was led into the wilderness and was tempted? He was tempted in every way that you and I were. He was tempted in his emotions. He was tempted in his thought life. And he was tempted in his physical body. And notice it says that he was led. Did you know that the enemy will bait you and try to lead you? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? There's times where you're doing good. You're on top of the mountain. You're living for Jesus and life is good and God is real. And man, you've got faith that can just get things done. But all of a sudden, there's this little carrot that dangles out in front of you. And you get sidetracked. And the enemy very craftily starts leading you down a path, getting you further away from the plan and purpose of God. And when he leads you off of the plan and purpose of God, what he, ends up, what he ends up doing is starts to mess with you in the realm of your thoughts, your emotions, and your feelings. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because, listen, I'm a pastor, but I'm not exempt from this. The devil will mess with my feelings, my thoughts, my emotions. And I've got a purpose to take my position to say, Devil, I've got authority. I've got a promise of life, so shut up. Come on. I mean, like I said, I'm not exempt from this. Just the other night, I woke up in the middle of the night and thoughts came. Just stuff. And I couldn't sleep. Well, what's that? Do you think God's waking me up in the middle? Of, hey, I just want to interrupt your rest of your sleep right now. And I just wanted to bring all this stuff up to you right now. And you're like, oh, dear God. Thanks. Appreciate that. No, it's just the tactic of the enemy. He'll mess with your thoughts. He'll mess with your imaginations. He'll, he'll mess with your feelings. And the Bible says this over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It says, it first begins with a thought. And remember I said this, that the enemy cannot read your thoughts or read your mind, but he'll suggest something to you. He'll plant a thought. And if you'll grab hold of that thought, he says, all right, I can see how they're responding, the look on their face or their countenance or whatever it might be. And he'll purpose to continue to bring that thought to you so that it becomes an imagination. And then the Bible says if you continue to, to, to play with that thought and it becomes an imagination, the Bible says it becomes a stronghold in your life or really what you end up doing is taking a stronghold of it. Right? Fear was false evidence appearing real, but you've made it so visible, so real, and so big in your life, you grab hold of it. And by God, it's going to happen in your life because the fear has caused it to be something that you've grabbed hold of. 
He'll mess with you every day of your life, bringing thoughts, suggestions, ideas. Now, let me just take a side journey if I can. Now, I know this is probably going to mess with some of you, but remember I said this, that spiritual things are more real than natural things. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. So notice the Bible says this, that fear is really a spirit. We could say love, joy, peace is a spirit. It's the spirit or it's the Holy Spirit, right? And so therefore, many of us or many of, I'll just, many people, I won't even say it's you. But there are many people that just love scary movies. I said it's going to mess with you a little bit. Love scary movies. They come out and I can't wait to go to the theater. Can't wait to see that. And you just, you, you get energized as a result of these scary movies that come on. Let me ask you, is God in the business of scaring you? No. Now, when you think about fear, what does fear do? Fear will always isolate you. Why do people get depressed? Because they start taking hold of that thought. It becomes an imagination. And then they take a strong hold of it. And what they end up doing is isolating themselves with the thought and the imagination. And therefore, they live an existence of depression, right? Fear will isolate you. Think about the scary movie. You can be in a theater of 200 people. But the moment that the music starts playing, you hear that music. And it's signaling something scary is about to happen. And then all of a sudden you start seeing what happens. What do you start doing? You start closing up, right? You start tensing up. You start getting tucked into your chair. You might be in a room of 200 people, but you start getting into an isolated position because you're anticipating the fear, right? And so what am I saying? Why? And again, again I know this is going to mess with you. But why do we put ourselves in a position of being fearful or getting frightened if it was never meant from God? Now you say, well, what does that matter? Because listen, if you'll open up the door to fear just when it comes to a scary movie and fear is spiritual, you can't just open up the door on occasion and say, well, I'm going to see the scary movie, but it's okay. No, you open up the door of fear to your life. Now, you might say, I think you're just being a little bit extreme right now. Okay, then let me just put it this way. Wives, a little bit of pornography is okay for your husbands, right? Well, why would we we not accept that? It's just a little bit. It's just enticing the flesh a little bit, right? Come on. Does that make sense? Well, if, if we would say, well, no, a little bit of pornography is not okay because of the doors that it opens up to our life, then why would we submit ourselves to be frightful or get into fear? It opens up the door to all the things of the enemy. And again, it shows up in different areas. Now, again, I'm, on, I'm off my soapbox now. You all right? All right. I'll give you one more. You say, <laughs> now, you might say, I'm still struggling with that, Pastor. Okay then a little bit of drugs is okay. You know what? I just snorted a half a line of cocaine right now. It's, you know, it's okay. It's just getting me over the hump right now. Well, a little bit of drugs leads down the road of a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Fear is spiritual, and it is a spirit that wants to mess with your life. You open up the door in this area, you'll see it showing up in other areas of your life. Come on. Okay. We'll leave it alone. 
So fear, worry, stress, anxiety, depression, it has a voice. Did you ever notice that? I said it has a voice. If it doesn't have a voice, or I I could say it this way, if it wasn't a spirit, why does it have a voice? Because your fears, your anxiety, your thought life, oftentimes is influenced by the voice of that fear. And we saw that it was a spirit. And here's some symptoms that you might even see in your own personal life. You feel numb. You know, you're just trying to cope with life, but, you know, there is no ups and downs of life. I'm just numb to everything. Maybe you have lack of motivation. Why do you lack motivation? Because of anxiety. Maybe you've reacted or you react cynically on a regular basis. You realize that everybody gets a little cynical every now and then, but there is no place in your heart for cynicism as a believer. And so if you're finding yourself being cynical all the time, always seeing the, the, the cup half empty rather than half full, then once again, there's been some anxiety, some fear that has crept in. Maybe you've medicated. Maybe you've allowed there to be medication through work, through alcohol, through drugs, or whatever it might be. And as a result, that's a symptom of fear that has got into your life. Maybe you don't laugh anymore. Maybe you think back, you know, I I was young, and man, I used to enjoy life, but man, I I very seldom laugh anymore. I I don't find things funny. I don't enjoy being around people. Maybe you find yourself constantly irritated. Things, just little things irritate you. Why? Because of anxiety, stress, fear. Maybe you get less done. Think, man, I used to be able to get all kinds of things done, but man, it takes me a half hour just to brush my teeth nowadays. All right? And the last thing, maybe when it comes to sleep, you try to sleep, and it seems like it doesn't do any good. I'm still exhausted. You go on vacation, and you go away on vacation, and you think, man, I'm going to get energized. You come back, and you're still drained. These are all expressions of how fear, anxiety has had an influence in people's lives. And we want to label it something else. But really the root of it is fear, false evidence appearing real. And God says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but a promise of life for you to experience. God desires for us to enjoy this life. In Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We're running short on time, so I'm going to have to go quickly through this. But to the main point of what I want to get across to you today. Romans chapter 5 verse 17 it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, than, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of uh, the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Notice what it said. In Christ you reign in life. The Amplified Bible says that you reign in this life as a king. That's who you are in Christ. Remember last week we talked about you having a seat in the place that you sit in? It's a place of kingly authority. You are royalty. And as a result, the place and the position that you sit in is a place of kingship. And how we live this life or experience this promise of this life is ruling and reigning in life. Meaning that circumstances should not rule us. Anxiety should not rule us. Depression should not rule us. Stress should not rule us. Because we reign in life. I'm a king in Christ. Amen? That's my place. That's who I am. Now let me say this. In Romans chapter 4, 
verse 17. Man, we didn't get time to really get into this. This is really the thrust of what I want to talk about. You just, you've got so many other problems we had to camp on that stuff, okay? So I couldn't get off that. So. <laughs> Romans chapter 4, verse 17. In the Amplified, it says this. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. God speaking concerning Abraham. Who is appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things. He has foretold and promised as though, though they already existed. The King James says it this way. Calling those things that be not as though they were. Why do we get into fear? Because our thoughts turn into conversation. And our conversation starts talking about the things that could happen, that might be. And as a result, they become a reality. That's really faith, but it's in reverse. God says faith is calling those things as though they exist, even though they are not right now. Meaning that you have an expectation. So in other words, you might say, I don't know that I'm experiencing the life that I should. But remember, you sit in a position as a king. What does a king do? A king declares what's going to take place. And it may not look like it's already happened, but God said it was because he gave you a promise of life. So I could say it this way. If I was to ask you a question, are you in faith or are you in fear? You might say, I'm in faith. But listen, if your mouth is not moving, you are not in faith. Concerning the things of God and the promise of life that he's given you, if your mouth is not moving, you are not in faith. Plain and simple. You might be saying, well, I've been talking to God. Well, you might have been complaining. You might have been boo-hooing. But you're not in faith. Because faith believes those things that you don't see are already done. Now, let me just finish with a prime example. And I did this purposely as I was getting ready. We've got two women here that are pregnant, one that's in labor right now, and I purpose to go look at their Facebook pages. And when you begin to look at their Facebook pages, you know what their conversation is? Baby coming. Baby coming. I'm pregnant. Look at my belly. It's getting bigger. There's a baby on the way. Now listen, quit telling me all that stuff. There's no baby. I don't see no baby. Well, I could never convince those women... That there's not a baby coming. And every time they post something on Facebook, they're calling something that is even though you don't see it. That is faith. That is how God wants us to live. God says there is a promise of life. Now get your mouth moving rather than hooking up with all the fear, the false evidence that's appearing real. And therefore, say what God says. Speak what he says, hook up with his promise, and as a result, you will see it come to pass as to the promise of life that God has given us. Because he has not given you a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and a sound mind. Amen? Amen. 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 Why don't you <laughs> Praise God. Like I said, there was so much more that I wanted to get into on that last portion. But you're a king. You reign in this life. God says you are to have success and freedom, and all that he came to give you, this life and life more abundantly. Let's stand together, please. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to search your heart right now
and to find if there's those positions or those things in your life that you've allowed stress and anxiety to creep in. Now, if you remember what Paul said to Timothy right when we began, he said this. He said, I put you in remembrance to stir up the gift that was on the inside of you that was given by the laying on of my hands. So things happen when you're close enough to be touched. And Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. You could even say he was a pastor to him. And he says, there's something to be said for us to be close enough in proximity for me to touch you. And he says, I look forward to seeing your face. And he says, and I'm praying for you, Timothy. And as a result of me praying for you, he said, things happen. God does things for you simply because we're praying and agreeing together. And so you're here this morning. You're in your church family. And as a pastor, God has given me a position and a place of authority to pray for you. And so maybe you're here this morning and you have found yourself full of anxiety, full of fear, full of worry. Maybe you've even felt like you've been depressed and felt like life has no hope. Well, I'm going to pray for you right now. I don't need to know who you are. I don't need to know your name. I'm just going to pray. And the Bible says if two agree touching anything, they have what they ask. And so when I pray, I'm just asking you to agree with me. And we're going to see that that fear is broken in your life. Anxiety, stress, and worry will be broken. And therefore, you'll have the ability of the promise of life, of power, love, and a soundness of mind be the leading force in your life. Will you agree with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I take my place as a pastor. I take my place of authority. I take my place right now, along with all these other individuals right now, in our rightful place as kings, as royalty, as having authority. And Father, we speak to that spirit of fear right now that has afflicted so many in their thought life, in marriages, and physical bodies. And right now we command you in the name of Jesus to cease and desist and stop in your activities right now. We cancel your assignment right now, devil. Worry, stress, fear, anxiety, depression, go in Jesus' name. Leave their life. Now, God, we stir up and put everyone in remembrance of the promise of life that you've come to give. And, God, we thank you that we've got power, we've got your love, and we've got soundness of mind. And, therefore, we purpose to grab hold of faith and begin to say what you say. For we're free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Listen, I believe that every time we come together, God does something significant. And I believe that every time we come together, life change happens. And so I always love 
to hear your stories when you come back and say, man, last Sunday and this week, man, God has been doing this. That just encourages me and it allows me just to share that with the church because we're part of the family, right? Amen. So always, I love to hear your, your words of, of encouragement, your testimonies, your stories. Continue to let us know. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Have a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Have a great day tomorrow. The worship team, they're just going to play us out. But from this point on, you're dismissed. God bless you. We love you. Amen. Remember, I still got open vacancies for tomorrow.